right, guys, welcome back to our teaching in the book of Matthew. Now, the last time we were here in chapter 14, we were basically coming out of the rejection of Jesus by the religious leaders. Now, wait a minute. We understand that this took place in Matthew chapter 12, and this was the pivotal point of Jesus's ministry in that he stopped presenting himself as the Messiah to the Jews to be recognized and received as their king. And so this is something that you have to remember all the time after this point in his ministry. So what does he do? He begins to focus on training of his own disciples for the furtherance of Matthew chapter 13, the new mystery kingdom. Remember what we said in Matthew 13, the new mystery kingdom would consist of both the Jewish people as believing in Jesus as Messiah, as well as the Gentiles who would believe as G in Jesus as Messiah. But this would be apart from the law of Moses. When I simply say apart from the law of Moses, it simply means that the law of Moses, as the Jews have known it, will come to an end at the cross of Jesus. So we, that's why we always teach we are no longer under the law, but we are under the law of the law of Moses, but we are under the law of Messiah. So this is what was taught in that new mystery parable that Jesus began to speak to the people. And he was also teaching his own disciples concerning that new kingdom of believers. OK, and so from that point. He continued on since Israel had basically, this is the official point of rejection, Jesus as Messiah. He began to teach and to train his own disciples. And this is what was key as we move on past chapter 13 into chapter 14 and even beyond the training of his disciples. And that's where we stopped in chapter 14. And basically what we saw was a point. It was a rehearsal once again, talking about the death of John the Baptist, how that John had died in prison because of his rejection of Herod's uh, new wife, Herod Antipas, his new wife. He married his brother Philip's wife. Now we're not going to rehearse all of those things, but nevertheless, the point is it becomes not only an introduction, but a moving point to show how Jesus continued his ministry with a different focus. The focus being upon his own disciples on their training. And so he continued to move from there in the sense of their training with the issue of feeding the 5,000. Now, we understand that this miracle performed by two fish and five loaves was a great miracle, but what it was not, what it was not was a messianic miracle. That is Jesus performing a public miracle to the people so that they would receive him as Messiah. This time is over with. This offer of being the Messiah to the Jew is over with. It will be extended, this offer, at a future generation that it would be literally the tribulation generation, but we're not going to get into that. But nevertheless, offer is off the table. So the feeding of the 5,000 comes to teach his own disciples that they have a responsibility to feed the people. Now, this is important, too, because as we get ready to move into chapter 15, let me make this distinction for in chapter 14, as we are uh Rehearsing once again, this feeding of the 5,000 were 5,000 Jewish people. So just remember that as we start dealing with chapter 15, 
the 5,000 were Jews. But the point is, Jesus was teaching them their responsibility to feed the people, not food, but spiritually of the word of God. And then at the end of that particular chapter, we see Jesus sending his disciples away. He coming to them in the third, fourth watch of the night late, or we can sometimes say maybe early in the morning, three to 6 a.m., walking on the water. The disciples received him into the boat. And we know all the issue about Peter coming on the water, walking on the water uh, because of his lack of faith, uh, having to be saved by Jesus. But the point is, when Jesus got into the boat, they began to worship him. And what did they say? Surely you are God's son. So what do we have now? Jesus demonstrating he's teaching them a furtherance of his person. Not only is he man, the Messiah, not only is he the prophet that should come likened unto Moses as spoken in the book of Deuteronomy, he is also God with them. So he is furthering their understanding. First part with the feeding of the 5,000 of their mission. He's furthering their understanding of his own person, his divine person. And that's how we basically end chapter 14. So this uh, end, as far as chapter 14 is concerned, the training of the disciples for 14. Now, as we continue in chapter 15, we still have this mindset that is the training of the disciples. But we're going to shift into dealing with uh, Jesus's enemies, namely the Pharisees and the scribes. And so as he deals with these enemies and as Matthew has recorded it for us, it also is furthering the training of the disciples with respect to how to deal with the Pharisees as well as the rules, these man-made rules of the Pharisees in the furthering of their ministries. Okay, let me, let me slow it down. As he deals with these things, with the Pharisees, he is still teaching his own disciples how to deal with the Pharisees, how to deal with man-made rules and things of that nature, and how they themselves should conduct themselves in their ministry. Now, once again, even though the disciples do not understand many things, nevertheless, Jesus is still teaching them and laying the foundation for them for their future ministry. At this point, they believe that Jesus is Messiah. And at some point in time, Jesus is going to uh, bring in the kingdom that the Jews expect. They still don't understand many things. They do not understand that Jesus must die, be resurrected from the from the grave and that Jesus will ultimately ascend into heaven to remain there until he is received by the Jewish people. They don't understand any of these things. But nevertheless, Jesus knows these things and he is preemptively preparing them for their ministry when he himself is taken away from them. So this is what you have to see. This is their training and their preparation. Okay, without any further ado, because that was a little longer than I anticipated, let's just get into chapter 15. Now, chapter 15 does have some length, but nevertheless, we basically have like three, three or four 
particular lessons in chapter 15. So let's just get into it. 15 and one. Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother. And he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He is not he is not to honor his father or his mother. And by this, you invalidate the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. After Jesus called the crowd to him, he said to them, hear and understand. It is not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth. This defiles the man. Then the disciples came and said to him, do you do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this statement? But he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father did not plant shall be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Okay, now here we have Jesus interacting with the Pharisees and the scribes. Basically, they were an antagonists against Jesus and they were always looking for reasons to bring fault against Jesus. And this particular reason here comes fault with Jesus disciples. What you also have to remember is this as early as back from in Matthew chapter 11, we already know that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Pharisees and the scribes had already made up their minds to reject Jesus as Messiah. And they were always going around trying to get the people to take their side in these things to also reject Jesus as Messiah. Matthew chapter 12. What did we say? They were saying concerning Jesus healing of the man demon possessed who could not speak. He Jesus was empowered by Satan to do these things. And they were trying to convince the people. So all we see is a continuation of the Pharisees and the scribes to condemn Jesus in some sort of a manner. At this particular case, we see that Jesus was now beginning getting ready to eat and some of his disciples had not washed their hands, okay? And so this became an occasion for the Pharisees and scribes to condemn Jesus because of the behavior of his disciples not washing before they ate because as Mark says, I think it's in Mark chapter seven, we have this similar incident. What they would do is it became a tradition that was taught by the Jewish elders. That means this was a tradition that was passed along from generation after generation. And what they would do is they would wash their hands when coming from the marketplace or they would wash cups and towels and things of that nature before they ate. And this became basically sacrosanct. 
And what I mean by sacrosanct is this, this tradition of these elders of the Jewish people that was being passed along became on par with the law. They considered that to break the tradition of the elders was just as grievous as to break the law of Moses itself. And one of the problems that Jesus had was, or should I even say that they had with Jesus was Jesus did not acknowledge their traditions nor their man-made rules. In other words, Jesus would only keep those things that were written in the law of Moses to do. To sin is to transgress the law of Moses. It is not to transgress the law or the traditions of the elders. So therefore Jesus would ignore these things and this would always cause problems with the Pharisees and the scribes of that time because Jesus would not uphold their traditions and neither would he himself build additional rules upon the laws of Moses for the people to keep. And we talked about that in past episodes. But now let's just simply continue. So they begin to uh, give Jesus grief because his disciples were not washing before the meal. And so Jesus returned and simply says this, why do you transgress the law of Moses? That is the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition. In other words, he is saying, you're condemning my disciples for not keeping your man-made traditions. But when you yourselves transgress a divine law in order to keep your tradition. And Jesus gives them an example. In the law of Moses, in the book of Exodus, as well as Leviticus, it is said, the notice, and that's the thing that you have to get, guys, the law of Moses. So therefore, these things are commanded by God himself to keep. And the example he gives is the care for the parent. And notice he simply says to honor the parent. So the honoring of the parent, not as just as we would understand it today. Yes, sir. No, sir. And respect. But also it deals with the care and provision taking care of the parents when they are old. This also deals with the honoring of the parent. And, and this is something that I think we need to remember too. Honoring the parent is no, not just simply verbal respect, but taking care of our parents who once took care of us when we could not take care of ourselves. But anyway, so Jesus simply says, notice, the, the Pharisees had created a tradition that is if a person were to say, OK, here, oh, let me just slow it down. As you got older, there was no social security and all that other stuff <laughs> in the world of Jesus day. So therefore, the children were expected and commanded to take care of the parents. OK, especially the sons. And this is why the inheritance went in the direction that it went to. So when the parents got old, it was the children's uh, responsibility to take care of the parent. But if a particular man were to go into the Pharisees, the Pharisees made a particular rule, one of their traditions, which simply says this, the money that I have or the resources that I have, I now vow to give them as a gift to God. 
So you are vowing to give those monies or or resources as a gift to God. But but that money or resources remain in the possession of the son. So it remained in his possession. He just simply declared that it was a gift given unto God. And so therefore, because the Pharisees created this rule or tradition, this money that should have been used to take care of the parent as the parent is aging, this money is no longer required to be given to be used for the parent. And so what does Jesus say? Therefore, you invalidate God's commandment by your tradition. Let me make you guys understand it good. So if you go and simply say this money that I'm supposed to take care of my parents with, I'm going to give it as a gift to God. The Pharisees use this as a way of, of, of the man, the individual keeping the money for himself and therefore by declaring that it is to be used for God, this money is no longer usable for the parent. This violates the commandment of God, that is to honor the father and the mother. And so Jesus says by their tradition, they invalidate the command of God. In other words, which is worse? What's the right thing to do? Keep the commandment of God or the tradition of men. Quite naturally, the commandment of God. And that's why Jesus continued to quote Isaiah to talk about the heart of the people. And I believe it's in Isaiah chapter 29 when he says he noticed what Jesus calls the Pharisees. Now, that's important. He calls them that to their face. You hypocrites, you actors on a stage. In other words, Isaiah said what? This people draws near with their lips and they honor God with their mouths. In other words, their religiosity, their spiritual religion is nothing more than outward performance. And that's what Jesus is trying to say with the washing of the hands and the washing of the pots. All of these things are nothing more than an outward performance. This people draw near to me with their mouths and with their lips. They speak. These are outward things, but what? But their heart is far away from me. That is inwardly. They do not recognize me inwardly. They do not know me inwardly. They do not truly worship me because notice when the first thing we said, Jesus is setting forth as a foundation here is true spirituality does not come from the performance of outward things. True spirituality comes forth from the heart. And Jesus is going to deal with this point again and again as we deal with this particular theme section. He's going to deal with this. It is from the heart that true spirituality comes from. It is from the heart that true outward worship comes from and not simply from the functioning of outward things. These don't make you right with God, that is to eat with unwashing hands, but I'm a little premature, but let's keep on going with the Isaiah prophecy here. Notice he says, verse number nine, but in vain, what do they do? They worship me teaching as doctrines, the commands of men. And that's Jesus's driving point here. They call themselves 
deriving or having a spirituality that is acceptable to God. Do you understand that? They think that they are spiritual and that this spirituality that they are having is accepted by God on the basis of what? Not the commandments of God, because what did the commandments of God do? What did Jesus just say? Honor the father and mother. Take care of the father and mother. Use your resources for your father and mother. But what? No, they said no. They created their own tradition. And what did he say again in Isaiah? They teach as commandments of God, not what God has taught, but what men, mere men have taught. Or in this context, the traditions of the elders. And so therefore Jesus is condemning their false spirituality, keeping man-made rules and feeling good about themselves, feeling spiritual about themselves because of their external doing of these things. External doing of what? Washing of the hands, washing of these plates and dishes, but nevertheless, they neglect the keeping of the commandments of God. Now, I'm fighting in my own mind to say something, but let me just simply say it now. This is something that we need to consider even in our times. And, and let me just simply say it like this, guys, because I don't want to go on and on and on. I don't want to be pastoral, but it is a pastoral point that I would make as a pastor. We as God's people are only commanded to keep the rules of God. That is. And if you want me to say it in a general sense that people can generally understand it, the commandments of Christ and the apostles, that which is found in the Bible, that is, is as we would call it, New Testament, not the Old Testament for the law is past. We are no longer under the law. We as Christians are therefore commanded to keep only that which is in the New Testament. The reason why I bring this up is just as there are traditions and commandments of men in Jesus's day, the same thing applies in our day. We create rules and a bunch of regulations that are not found in scripture to bind men. And by these rules and regulations that we create to bind men, we sometimes judge men by the man-made rules that we create. Okay, fine. Okay, I didn't want this to be long, but I, I want you guys to understand all of it. Say, for instance, I've heard of things like not going to movies. Every man needs to be persuaded in his own mind about what movie he will and will not see. I agree. We should not go and see a bunch of pornographic stuff like that and killing and stuff like we want to be careful. But there are certain peoples in religion who say, man, we shouldn't go see movies at all. Another thing that I bring to your attention, drinking. Some say people, Christians should not drink any alcohol at all. No alcoholic beverages. But this is not found in scripture whatsoever. The only thing that scripture teaches is it is unwise to be lured by excessive alcohol and that Christians should never be drunken with wine. What does it say? Do not be drunken with wine wherein is 
excess. Notice it never said not to drink, but never to be influenced. Never drink so much wine and that you be influenced. But what? On the other hand, if you are to be influenced, never be influenced because you have consumed too much wine, but always be influenced by the Holy Spirit. Be not drunken with wine, but be filled, influenced by the Holy Spirit. So that is just another point. There are always many other things, even to the point of where you have denominations talking about the type of clothing that you should wear, and it goes on and on and on, such things that are, not, that are not written in the New Testament. So therefore they fall in this category, as we would call it here, traditions of men and such traditions of men, we are not obligated to obey. We are only obligated to obey as Jesus teaches here, the commands of God, or in other words, Commandments that we will simply find in the New Testament teaching of Christ, the apostles and prophets, New Testament. OK, but anyway, enough of that preaching. So now Jesus just dealt with this issue. The Pharisees are attacking Jesus because the disciples eating with unwashed hand based upon traditions taught by men, their elders. Jesus upbraids them. He gets on their behind because they neglect the commandments of God in order to displace it with the commandments of men. And so now he begins to call the crowd and he continues to teach the crowd. But remember we said after Matthew chapter 12, Jesus no longer taught the crowd. Uh, clearly he taught them always in parables. And this is what he does. And we will see this in the rest of chapter 15 as he teaches the crowd in this particular parable. So he called them and says, what is nothing that enters into the mouth that can make a person spiritually unclean, but it is what comes out of the mouth. This is what defiles the man. And so in saying this, and we'll talk about that as we move on, because the disciples are going to ask Jesus, to give further clarification for this parable. But nevertheless, notice Jesus earlier called the Pharisees and quoting Isaiah 29, that these people draw near to me with their mouths, but their heart is far from me. What did he say unto the Pharisees? You hypocrites. And then what did Jesus do? He tore down their, their traditions of their so-called elders. So what do the disciples come and say of Jesus? Jesus' own disciples. You offended the Pharisees in saying these things. So they are kind of not, they're just bringing to Jesus' attention. Let me say it that way. Did you know that you really offended the Pharisees in what you just said? And Jesus makes the point. And again, I'm fighting what's in the back of my mind for another teaching. Every plant that was not planted by my heavenly father shall be uprooted. They are blind guides. They are blind guys that lead the blind. And if they blind lead the blind, both of them fall into a ditch. In other words, the Pharisees and, the, and, and here the scribes, they have already made up their minds about Jesus. They have already rejected Jesus as Messiah. Remember, they want to put Jesus to death. They want to find reason to get rid of Jesus. So therefore, they are, they, as they have rejected Jesus, 
they also have already been rejected by God himself. That's why he says they which the plants that the father has not planted will be uprooted. And the whole sense of uprooting deals with judgment. Now, this can point to the judgment of 70 A.D. This would be a physical judgment, a physical judgment in death. And this can point to an eternal spiritual judgment. That is judgment in the day of judgment itself. But nevertheless, he simply deals with the point is since they have rejected me as Messiah, it is simply the proof that they have been rejected by the father himself. And then he says, as far as their uh, position is in society, notice what he calls them blind guides. They themselves, they have rejected the Messiah and also the people who did not receive Jesus as Messiah. Notice how all of this ties so wonderfully to Matthew chapter 12. If you haven't seen the teaching on Matthew chapter 12, you need to go see it. This is the whole point. The people have to come to a point of decision. Do you accept Jesus as Messiah or not? Matthew chapter 12, it became pivotal. The, the leaders rejected Jesus as Messiah and the issue as the leader. So will the people follow. So as the leaders are blind, the people themselves are also blind. The blind leading the blind. Neither one of them, neither the leaders nor the people have accepted Jesus as their Messiah. So therefore what happens? They both fall into a ditch. They both enter into judgment, whether that judgment is a temporal judgment, the judgment of 70 AD, Titus will come and destroy. This is when Jesus talked about Matthew 23. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often have I desired to gather you as a chicken who would get her baby hens unto herself. I leave your house unto you desolate. Judgment of 70 AD or the eternal judgment because you have not received Jesus as Messiah. Both leaders and people will fall into the pit of judgment, a ditch. Okay. And so this is the issue that Jesus was teaching here in this concept, the Pharisees coming to Jesus, but dealing with traditions of men over against or even equal with the commandment of God and Jesus telling them, keep the commandment of God. And can I say it this way and forget the traditions and commandments that men put in place. Okay, now let's continue. Verse number 15, Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. Jesus said, are you still lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile the man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. So now we close the section. So what happened? Once again, remember I told you, Matthew chapter 12, pivotal. No longer did Jesus begin to speak to people clearly, taught them, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, 
clear teachings. From that point forward, Matthew chapter 13, Jesus always taught the people in parables. So even though to the eating with the unwashed hand thing, that which enters the mouth does not defile, but that which comes from the mouth, it does defile. To us, it may seem simple, but to the Jewish mind at that time, it was not that simple because notice what Peter does. Peter understands that this is a parable. This is not a clear teaching because remember one of the things that the Jews have is, you gotta remember now, as, as they were at that particular time in the Mosaic law, they were under the restrictions of dietary laws, the dietary laws of Moses, things that you could eat, things that you could not eat. You remember like certain type of fish, fish had to have scale on them that you could not eat. Certain crustaceans you could not eat. Certain types of animals, whether they had hooves in their feet, you could not eat. So these were the dietary laws and they believed that, and under the law of Moses, they were restricted from eating. So Jesus is now beginning to challenge this type of mentality, in other words, as he talks in the Mark, because Mark also deals with this same instance by Jesus saying nothing comes into the mouth can make a person ceremonially unclean. Jesus, as Mark is going to say, by this statement will declare all foods to be clean. So what is he going to do? He's beginning to lay the foundation for a new law. And now let's go back once again to Matthew chapter 13, as Jesus talked about the parables of this new mystery kingdom. It's like a scribe who has in his bag, he takes old things as well as new things. One of the new things that he would take, which would be the new commandments, one of the new things that he was taking is right here. Nothing can enter into a man's mouth to make him unclean. One of the new things as he dispels the law of Moses, and this is not a negative thing, but it brings it to an end, is the dietary laws, the restrictions of what you can eat and what you cannot eat. Now we understand, and I want you to understand, this will not formally come to an end until Jesus dies on the cross. Then the law of Moses is done. Then you can eat whatever you want to eat. The new law is then in effect. That's what we see as Paul talks about in the book of Colossians. That's what we see as Paul also talks about in the book of Romans in chapter seven and one in dealing with the issue of marriage. Once the husband is dead, the law of Moses, the woman that is God's people is free to be married to a new husband. And this new husband will have new laws for his wife. That is the law of Christ being married to Christ coming under the law of Christ, the new laws of Christ. That is eating things, eating whatever you want to eat the dietary restriction. Okay. I digressed in a way that I did not want to at that particular time. So let me get back on track. So all Peter wants to do is Jesus make us understand this parable. Jesus simply says, you got to understand it. There's nothing that can come into the mouth that can make a person spiritually unclean because 
it goes into the mouth and it comes out of the body. It is simply ejected, but it is what comes out of the mouth because what comes out of the mouth is first found in the heart. And that's what makes a man unclean. Not so much as what he does, but what is inside of him. He is already unclean because of the nature of his own heart. And when something is found in the heart, it simply proceeds from the mouth. It did not come from the mouth until it was first found in the heart itself. And this is what Jesus begins to say, for what is found in the heart, all types of things like what? Evil thoughts and, and even so, let me do a little talking here. We need to be careful too because the Lord is so true. You know it is in your heart. I know it is in my heart. Evil thoughts, that's what comes in, it happens on the inside of us. Evil thoughts, what? Adulteries, fornications, murders, false with all of this stuff. Before we ever do anything, it is hatched, it is found in the heart. And then at a convenient time, opportune time, or whatever you want to call it, then we do it. But before we do it, before we do anything, before we tell a lie, before we commit a sexually immoral act, before we do anything, it is first found in the imagination, in the heart. That's why it is always necessary for us to deal with the heart. You don't ever deal with the actions of a man. Because why? The only reason why we did what we did, it was found in our heart. What we deal with is the root of the problem and the root of the problem is in our heart and only God can deal with a man's heart. Only God can really clean out the root of our problem. Okay. Okay. Enough preaching. So let me just simply go back here. So Jesus simply teaching Peter that it's not the thing that goes in the mouth, but that come from the mouth because it is first found in the heart. And so this was the teaching that Jesus gave the crowd in parable, and this was the right understanding that he was giving to Peter, even all of the disciples too, okay? So the, to end the whole point of the, the washing with the, un, the eating with the unwashed hand, Jesus simply says, eating with unwashed hand can never defile a man simply because with the unwashed hand, eating that food, whatever that food, notice whatever that food might be going into the mouth and simply is going to pass out in the body. It, it goes in and passes out. Therefore, it does not remain in the individual. But there is something already inside the individual that is already remaining in the individual that comes from the heart, which makes the individual already unclean. So Jesus is teaching the, his disciples that deal with the nature of the heart and not the externalities, wash, unwashed hand, things of that nature, okay? But the greater picture is, the law of God versus the traditions of men. Okay, enough of that. Now, let's move into the next section, verse number 21. Now, Jesus 
moves outside of Israel. Now, this is something that is very important for us to see. Arguing, not so much as arguing, but dealing with these Pharisees and scribes who are fighting with Jesus. All right. And that's the point. So Jesus is simply moving away from this antagonistic atmosphere. He is now going to move into a particular region that's dominated by Gentiles. This you must see to understand the remaining of this chapter. Jesus is it has now moving into in temporary. This is only temporary, of course, into Gentile territories. And also remember, too, we're dealing with that that whole idea, that thematic idea of training of the disciples. So what did we just see with the training of the disciples? Obey the commandments of God. That's one of the things that we saw. And the second thing, where does spiritual uncleanness come from? Not from the external things, but from the heart of a man training the disciples. Those two things. He's just trained the disciples. So with this same theme that is being exercised even throughout, because remember, this is the section. What is he teaching the disciples as he moves into this region of the Gentiles? So remember that. Let's get into the verses. Twenty one. Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And the Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away because she keeps shouting at us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, oh, woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Now, this is a beautiful story of faith. Once again, what you what you what we all need to remember is why is Jesus doing what he's doing? What is Jesus trying to say? We've already established the theme training his disciples. So he's training his disciples. What has he done? Moved away from out of Israel. And remember, so allow this to kind of work into the back of your mind, even with all of these wonderful things, the new kingdom, the new kingdom, what kingdom, the new mystery kingdom that pertains not only for the Jews, the Jews who as a nation has rejected Jesus as Messiah, but also this new kingdom that will incorporate Gentiles, Gentiles who will receive Jesus as Messiah. So let all of that work in the back of your mind in this lesson and also this object lesson in the sight of Jesus apostles. So they're watching, they're seeing what Jesus is doing. They are, even though they are without understanding at this time, they are without understanding. They still the Holy Spirit will bring back to their remembrance 
all that the master has said and what he has done. And also to remember future preparation for their ministry. That's what Jesus is doing, preparing them. And we can see all of this working. Let's talk about it. So he goes into the region of Tyre and Sidon. This is a Gentile region of Phoenicia. Okay. And there he meets a Canaanite woman. And so Matthew relates to her from that old Testament sense of the word Canaanite. The woman was Syro Phoenician by her nationality. That's what she was. But he gives that Gentile reference. That is Canaanite. Clearly the woman was a Gentile. So she hears of Jesus coming to that region. So one thing that it tells us is how the fame of Jesus has proceeded out of the land of Israel, even into the even into Gentile territories. So this kind of, oh my God, I can't deal with it right now, but it just shows us how that Jesus. Okay, no, 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 I won't deal with it. I won't deal with it, but it gives us a picture of Jesus as Messiah in the reign that he will have. Jesus one day when he will be received by the Jews, okay? Sometime into the future, this will be after, this will be after in the time of the great tribulation, after Jesus return, when he sets up his kingdom, he will be ruler of both Jew and Gentile. And we will see the blessings of what we call the messianic age when Jesus comes to rule over the world. This is that picture that we're beginning to see that he is laying the foundation for here. Okay, so let me just go back to the text because I keep being pulled by my own mind into this prophetic picture, but I don't want to get you guys there because I don't want to confuse you, but let's work our way through this text. This Greek woman, this, this Gentile woman, daughter is, is, is demon possessed, comes to Jesus. Notice how she comes to Jesus, Lord, son of David. So she acknowledges Jesus by a messianic title, calling him son of David is the same sense of king of the Jews, because that's what Jesus is. And that's what Jesus had once had once before Matthew chapter 12, I keep telling you again and again and again, offered to the Jews to be king. But what did they do? They rejected Jesus. And so therefore, when she comes to Jesus saying to him, Lord, son of David, this king of the Jews title, notice Jesus's response. He completely ignores her again. Why? The, the offer to be king of the Jews is rescinded. It's no longer on the table. So therefore you cannot come to Jesus with a request based upon him being king. No more will he be king. Matthew chapter 12 is the pivot point as we've been telling you again and again. So he didn't answer her a word, but the woman kept asking for Jesus. She kept calling out behind the disciples. And that's why the disciples saying, Lord, just send her away. She's behind us. She keeps asking. She keeps asking, just send her away. So what do we see about the woman too in this story? Her persistence 
even though she could not get Jesus on the basis of him being Messiah, king of the Jews, to grant her request, she still did not give up. So the disciples said, send her away. So when the disciples said to Jesus, please just send her away, Jesus made one thing clear. He sets a foundation and it was also a, an entry testing point. It was an entry, a beginning testing point as well as a foundation. What was the foundation that Jesus said? He said, I was only sent to the house of Israel. So he is speaking basically to the woman because the woman is what Gentile and that is the Messiah at this time. And this is what you have to understand was sent in his initial coming to provide blessing to the house of Israel, to Jews and not to the Gentiles. And that's what he sent. I was sent to the Jews at this particular time and I was not sent to the Gentile. Now, the reason that I said to you guys that this becomes entry in that it becomes a test of her faith. Will you keep in your persisting for this blessing? Will you keep on asking me? So it's an entry in this sense to test if she'll keep fighting for this blessing and it becomes foundation. That is for the gospel, as Paul would teach in Romans chapter one is first unto the Jews and then to the Gentiles. So therefore, whether the gospel and the blessings that should come from Jesus, believing in Jesus as Lord and Savior. It first comes to the Jewish people. This is the order that God himself has given, even as far as Genesis chapter 12, and God called Abraham and set Abraham and his people and the gospel and the preservation of the gospel and the knowledge of God was given to the Jews. And then Abraham is to be a blessing unto all the families of the earth and then unto the Gentiles. So Jesus says this foundation, I have been sent only unto the house of Israel at this time. And so that's what he says into the woman here. And so then the woman passes the entry test. She can, she, she sees this as an entry. So you can imagine her breaking through the barrier, breaking through the barrier of the disciples and coming to Jesus and bowing down. Proskuneo. The word is also used for worship. So this Gentiles, you got to get the full picture. This Gentile woman is not only pleading and she believes Jesus is Messiah, son of David. She is worshiping Jesus as Messiah, son of David. So notice she breaks that entry. She continues in her faith. She comes to Jesus buying down and she says, what? She, she doesn't know what to say. Since Jesus says, I've only been sent to the Jews. She just simply just begs him and just says, Lord, help me. And then Jesus answered even that and simply says, it is not good. It is not proper to take the children's food and to give it to the little dogs. Now, let me make you guys understand what Jesus is simply saying, because here it seems condescending. And yes, yes, 
It is to a degree condescending. Jesus intends for it to be condescending as he speaks to this Gentile woman because he is still testing her faith. Because notice what he says. She, he didn't, first of all, he didn't answer her a word. Lord, son of David, not a word. Then the woman keeps on crying. Then he says, I have been sent only to the house of Israel, still testing her. Then the woman comes dropped down before Jesus on her knees, begging her, Lord, please help me. And then he says, it's not proper to give the children's food, still testing her. So that's what you need to see holistically what Jesus is doing for the woman. He is testing her faith to see if she will persist. Will you keep asking me for this blessing until I give it to you? He's testing her faith, okay? But also in the testing of her faith, he is using condescending terminology. Why? The Jews considered the Gentiles to be dogs. Dogs would be considered an unclean animal for, uh, to the Jews. So there is a sense of condescension, but there is also this whole picture that you got to see. Okay, watch this, so what Jesus is doing. It is not proper, so that's what you need to see. It is not proper to give the children's food. What is the children's food? The blessing. What is the blessing that this woman is seeking? She wants this demon to be cast out of her daughter. That's the children's food. That is a blessing that is reserved for the Jews alone. So Jesus brings in this scenario and it's like a household scenario. So let me transport you to the scenario. Imagine you have a master of a house. That's Jesus. He is the Lord of the house who is serving the food to the children at the table. And that is the Jewish people sitting at the table. They are the rightful heirs to this food that the master is serving. And the food that he is serving is the blessings, even these miraculous blessings that this woman is seeking. Cast the demon out of my daughter. And so Jesus is saying, it is right that the bread that the master is serving to be set at the children's table. But notice in the full picture, it was a very common thing for a family to have a household dog. And imagine the dog does not have the right to sit at the table. This is a no-no, but guess what the dog would be doing? He'll be running around the table running around his master, the children, these are the masters, the children's table. And from time to time, bread, because the abundance of food at the children's table is so great, from time to time, bread would fall off from the master's table and the dog would eat of these bread that would fall. The dog would eat of the blessings because it was so abundant. And so this is what Jesus said. It's not right to give the children's food to the little dogs in the house. And the woman replied to Jesus and says, yes, Lord, this is true. I am a Gentile. And as a Gentile dog, I do not have the right to the blessings on the table. But 
the blessings are so great that they fall from the table. And Lord, don't the dogs eat the crumbs that fall on the floor? And because of the wisdom of this woman's answer and the persistence in her faith, she drew from Jesus a compassionate response. Notice what Jesus said. Oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done just like you have believed. So the woman's daughter was healed at that very hour. So it's a beautiful story. And the whole point is, number one, Jesus came unto his own and the reservation of the of the of the blessings for the Messiah was for to be to the Jewish people. But also there is to be a future blessing for the Gentile. So now let's bring the theme once again. What is the theme? Training his disciples. The disciples are watching Jesus deal with this Gentile woman. What is Jesus training them? That in the future, their ministry will not only be a ministry for the Jews, it will also be a ministry that will incorporate the blessing for the Gentile. For as Jesus is Messiah unto the Jews, even such as Jews have rejected him, that's the shadow of all of that. Shadow. Gentiles will receive him as the ministry is for the Jews. There will be a future ministry for the apostles, Jesus disciples for the Gentiles. How is this seen? This is seen in the book of Acts when G when Peter himself, and we're not going to go through all of that, but that is in the vision that Peter had and Peter ultimately goes to the household of Cornelius and there Cornelius a Gentile and those of his household, Gentiles, hear the gospel of Jesus, believe in Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit and are incorporated into the body of Christ. In other words, Jesus is training his disciples. Not only is he for the Jews and not only will their ministry be for the Jews, Jesus is also for the Gentiles and their ministry will incorporate blessings to the Gentiles. And so he lays this foundation with the Greek woman, the Syrophoenician, this Canaanite woman. Okay. Now let's continue. Verse 29, important to stay in the context of basically the Gentile region departing from there. Jesus went along by the Sea of Galilee, having gone up on the mountain. He was sitting there. Large crowds came to him, bringing with them those who were lame, crippled, blind, mute, many others. And they laid them down at his feet and he healed them. So the crowd marveled as they saw the mute speaking the crippled restored, the lame walking, the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Okay, so now we're going in. What you must see is the continued ministry of Jesus amongst the Gentiles. Okay, again, the backdrop 
No longer is Jesus in the land of Israel. He is in the region of the Gentiles. The backdrop no longer is Jesus. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Not only is Jesus the Messiah unto the Jews. He is also Messiah unto the Gentiles. Again, backdrop. Not only the Syrophoenician woman, does Jesus have blessings for the Jewish people abundant at the table for the children, but there are also crumbs that fall because of the abundance of blessings for the dogs, for the Gentiles. And notice the evidence of these crumbs is so great. Boy, I feel like preaching. The evidence of the crumbs is so great. Jesus continues to venture in the region of these Gentiles. What happened? You can imagine as this woman's child was healed of the demon possession. The word of Jesus goes out into all of the Gentile regions. These Gentiles are now eating of the magnitude of the crumbs, the blessings that come. What does see? I'm talking in these spiritual you guys. I know you get it. What were the crumbs that fell for the Syrophoenician woman? Healing. What are the crumbs that are falling for these Gentiles? Notice what it said. They're coming from everywhere. Healing of the lame, opening of the eyes of the blind, all of these things. Jesus is ministering to these Gentiles and just like he blessed the Jews in healing theirs, he also blessed the Gentiles in healing theirs. And how do I know that this is the Gentiles? Number one, they are still in the region of the Gentiles. And then number two, look at the response of the people. When Jesus did these miraculous works, they blessed the God of Israel. They did not simply as a Jew would bless the God of their fathers. That's how a Jew would look at it or a Jew would call it the God of heaven or simply God Jew. That's how a Jew would look at it. But a Gentile would call it the God of the Israelite people, the God of Israel, because they recognize Jesus is a Jew and he is doing these things in the power of the God of the Jewish people. So this is the Gentile. What is the point that I'm trying to make? Jesus is blessing in the same way he did the Jews, the healing of their people. He is also blessing the Gentile. This, these are the crumbs that have fallen for the little dogs for the Gentile. This is Jesus's ministry among the Gentiles. Again, what is the overall theme? The theme is Jesus trains his disciples. So what did we first see with the Syrophoenician woman? He laid the foundational principle. Number one, it is unto the Jew first, but then also to the Gentile such blessings. And so notice the Syrophoenician woman, the little dog received crumbs. And then not only is this simply a foundation, a one time thing or something that is done in a peculiar way only for this woman. But what do we see? The large Gentile crowds coming to Jesus and notice Jesus also blessing them. He's training them that this blessing is not only for the Jew, but this blessing is for the Gentile teaching his disciples. These things, as we just said, 
He would do this through Peter and Peter would bring this gospel with the key opening the key unto the Gentile through Cornelius. And then Jesus will designate Paul an apostle to the Gentile. He will call Paul exclusively as a Jewish apostle to the Gentile to bring Jesus to the Gentile world crumbs that will fall for the Gentiles. Okay, enough of that. So we see that taking place. Now let's get to this next section. Still keeping with the sense, Jesus in his ministry. Notice you can't miss the training, can you? His ministry in the Gentile regions. Enough I'm gonna say about that. Let me just get into the verse and then I'll explain it even further. 32, and Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. I do not wanna send them away hungry for they might faint on the way. The disciples said to him, well, we go where will we get so many loaves in this desolate place to satisfy such a large crowd? Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said seven and a few small fish. And he directed the people to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish and giving thanks, he broke them and started giving them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied and they picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, seven large baskets full And those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children and sending away the crowds. Jesus got into the boat and came to the region of Magadan. Beautiful. So now watch. Okay, fine. So now this same Gentile crowd, notice beginning with the Syrophoenician woman, expanding to large crowd. We already know over 4,000 men alone. These Gentiles remaining with Jesus. Can you see the Gentile, the prophetic picture of Gentile believers in Jesus? Even over against where the Jews have officially rejected Jesus. Now that's not to say that there are no Jewish believers. That's not what I'm saying. But we do know as a whole, as a whole, the Jewish people even to this day reject Jesus as Messiah. And there are much greater numbers of Gentiles who receive Jesus as Messiah. So that's that prophetic picture that you cannot deny that is being seen. But nevertheless, let's go back into the text. What do we have? These Gentiles, as Jesus is still in their coast, are now with Jesus for three days. And Jesus does not want to just simply send them home because they haven't had any food. So what we see is this. As we had Jesus in feeding the 5,000, what was that, Matthew chapter 11, I think it was. But nevertheless, as Jesus fed the 5,000, as I told you early in this video, the 5,000 were Jews. Now Jesus is feeding the 4,000, and these 4,000 are Gentiles. And notice the, the theme is undeniable the Gentile Syrophoenician woman, and then the large crowd of the Gentiles blessing for the Jew, uh, or should I even say it this way? Blessing for the Gentile 
as even for the Jews, whether the Syrophoenician woman or the large number of Gentile people, blessing for Gentiles, whether it's Jews. Again, the blessing, what? Jesus feeds them. Same scenario. Some think that this is the same occasion, the feeding of the 5,000. No, this is not that same occasion. This is a different occasion. Blessing for Gentile, feeding of Gentile 4,000, just like he fed the Jews. But in the Jews, there were two fish and five loaves. Here, there are what? Seven loaves and a few fish. And Jesus simply does the same thing. He blesses those seven loaves. Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe who brings forth bread from the earth. This is the blessing that Jesus gave and he broke that bread and he miraculously gave it to the disciples and they gave it to the people and they ended up with seven baskets left from the feeding of the Gentiles. More than go back to the Syrophoenician woman. How much bread fell from the table? A whole lot until there was a lot left over. There was more than enough bread set before the children, the Jews that fell unto the Gentiles, that it could heal their people, that it could feed their people. The little dogs had more than enough bread. God was incorporating Gentiles into the blessings also of the Jews in Jesus himself. And let us all thank God for, isn't it, it's, it's just beautiful. Matthew 13, the parable of the new mystery kingdom, both the man, he, 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 the, the, he, he found a pearl of a great price. This was the Gentile. He found the field and it was a valuable field. This was the Jewish people. So we see both Jew and Gentile incorporated into this mystery kingdom and blessings for all those who believe in Jesus as Messiah. Okay, I'm, I'm preaching enough. You can't miss that. But anyway, so he feeds them with these things. He feeds the people. They all ate and were satisfied. So what did we see? Again, let us go back to the theme, undeniable. Training the disciples. You see it now? So whether it goes, as, as, whether it goes with the Syrophoenician woman, whether it goes, notice, with the crowd of people that Jesus healed, or whether it goes with the feeding. Train his disciples. You have a spiritual responsibility, not only to the Jews, but in your future ministry, you will have a spiritual responsibility to the Gentiles. What did we see with the feeding of the 5,000? The spiritual responsibility of the word, word of God to the Jewish people. What do we see with the feeding of the 4,000 Gentiles? There would be a spiritual responsibility of the disciples to the Gentile world. And notice at the very end of these things, what happened? Once Jesus finished that uh, feeding, he goes to the region of Magadha. This is also called Magdala, the region of Magdala. This is the same region where Mary Magdalene was from. Or in other words, Jesus departed from the region of the Gentiles and he went back 
into the region of the Jews. So what did we see in chapter 15? It was a beautiful thing. In Jesus continued teaching, we saw what? The summation that he was teaching his disciples. The heart is the root of what defiles a man. As the, as the Pharisees came to Jesus, dealing with traditions of men over against the commandments of God. Jesus teaching, obey the commandments of God. We don't have to be concerned about the commandments of men, but the principal thing that he was teaching was over against that which Pharisees taught. It is from the heart that spiritual defilement came from. Leaving from that region, he begins to minister in the region of the Gentiles. What is he teaching the disciples even here is there is a blessing that God has reserved for the Gentiles as well, not only for the Jews. What did we see in the first lesson? The Greek Canaanite Syrophoenician woman begging Jesus for that blessing and Jesus laying the foundation unto the Jew first, but he also taught that it is also for the Gentile as he blessed the woman in testing her faith. Then we saw expanding of this Gentiles from the region coming to Jesus, being blessed, being healed, blessing for the Gentile. Then we saw what Jesus feeding of the 4,000 Gentiles, training the Jews, training his disciples that in their future ministry, there will be a blessing for the Gentiles as well as the Jews. And we can see all of this being laid on the foundation of the parables that Jesus taught about the new kingdom, the kingdom that will incorporate both Jew and Gentile. All right, guys. Thanks for joining me in that beautiful and wonderful teaching. And one of the reasons why it excites me to the bone, I am a Gentile and I am a recipient of that blessing. I am a little dog who sits at the table of the children. I am a little dog who has eaten from the bread that came from the master's hand. I am that little dog because I have not eaten from simply crumbs, as Jesus said. Let's go into the very end of this teaching. What was left over when Jesus got through feeding the Gentile? Seven baskets. Jesus has not simply reserved blessings of crumbs for us Gentiles. He has reserved bountiful blessings for us, even as it has been spoken of from Genesis chapter 12 in Abraham and in your seed, all the Gentiles, the families of the earth shall be blessed. I am that little dog who has been blessed by my master. But anyway, guys, man, I enjoyed that. Thanks for joining me in that. And again, I want to remind you, please support this ministry. If you haven't given a donation to become a monthly subscriber, do so if God touches your heart or if these lessons have been a blessing. And I believe in my heart, these lessons have been a blessing for many of you. So all I'm asking for is your support. So help me to continue making these videos and notice guys, you don't see advertisement. I took that crap out because I want you to hear this teachings without all of that outside worldly advertisement. Let those of us who are in, who are blessed of the ministry, let us support 
the ministry. So help me to do these things. But anyway, thanks for joining me in all of these things and join me next time as we continue on in our study in the book of Matthew. Can't wait to see you next time.